Welcome to Weekly Wisdom, a podcast exploring what's wise in philosophy, science, comedy, religion, pop culture, and everyday life. I'm Josh Reeves. Howard Thurman was one of the great spiritual minds of the last century. He was a minister of the Church for All Peoples in San Francisco, probably the first ever interfaith organization in America. He was a mystic who wrote beautiful prayers and ideas about the inner life. He was a champion for peace who thought deeply about the philosophy of peace for Americans and traveled to India where he met Gandhi. It is said that Martin Luther King regularly traveled with Thurman's book, Jesus and the Disinherited. As a young black man growing up in Florida, Thurman learned early on the evils of segregation. There was an old family for whom my grandmother had done laundry for years. The man owned the only hardware store in town. In the fall of the year, I would rake their leaves every afternoon and put them in a pile to burn. The family's little girl, four or five years old, waited for me to come from school to do my job. She was a lonely child and was not permitted to play with other kids in the neighborhood. She enjoyed following me around in the yard as I worked. One day, after I had made several piles for burning, she used to play a game. Whenever she found a beautifully colored leaf, she would scatter the pile it was in to show it to me. Each time she did this, I would have to rake the leaves into a pile again. This grew cumbersome, and it doubled my work. Finally, I said to her in some desperation, Don't do that anymore because I don't have time. She became very angry and continued to scatter the leaves. I'm going to tell your father about this when he comes home, I said. With that, she lost her temper completely and, taking a straight pin out of her pinafore, jabbed me in the hand. I drew back in pain. Have you lost your mind? And she answered, Oh, Howard, that didn't hurt you. You can't feel. Thurman realized what a twisted way of seeing one another existed in his country. His grandmother had been a slave, and Thurman saw much of his work not only as realizing his own potential, but helping others, especially young black men and women, realize theirs. In the stories of Africans brought to America, Thurman saw a great sorrow, but he also saw a great triumph. It was through reading Thurman's work for me that I discovered that not only is slavery the story of America's greatest shame, it is also the story of its greatest triumph. Not as much in the evolution of thinking among whites in this country, but in the strength and spirit of black Americans to overcome so much and truly embody the spirit of liberty and freedom. In a month like Black History Month, I believe it's important to honor not only the great black men and women, but the story of the black people in America, and how they have perhaps embodied American ideals more than anyone, despite being restrained from them for so long. One interesting way blacks did this was by taking on and evolving the religion of their masters, Christianity. Although, of course, so many slaves at the time did not abandon their religious roots, they found some solace in the teachings of the Bible. Where the masters may have focused mostly on laws and rules handed down in certain books, the slaves found particular meaning in the Psalms, these great ancient songs of a Jewish people who were themselves enslaved. This led not only to the famous spirituals of the time, but in my eyes, a kind of reformation of Christianity that focuses more on the quest for freedom and the treatment of our fellow man than the politics of trying to ensure that everyone knows your faith is the one and only way. As Thurman explains in interpreting a spiritual, I got wings, you got wings, all God's children got wings. The setting of this spiritual is very dramatic. The slave had often heard his master's minister talk about heaven, the final abode of the righteous. Naturally, the master regarded himself as fitting into that category. On the other hand, the slave knew that he too was going to heaven. He reasoned, there must be two separate heavens. 
No, this could not be true, because there is only one God. God cannot be divided in this way. I have it. I am having my hell now. When I die, I shall have my heaven. The master is having his heaven now. When he dies, he will have his hell. I got shoes, you got shoes, all God's children got shoes. When we get to heaven, we're going to put on our shoes and shout all over God's heaven. Heaven, heaven. But everybody talking about heaven ain't going there. Thurman got the opportunity to visit Africa, a place he felt taught that was not a great place, a place to be ashamed of being from. For Thurman, it was a sacred and beautiful experience. He shares, We had been sailing for two or three days along the west coast of Africa, but the coast had not been visible. It was so overcast that moonlight could not penetrate. All I knew was that the ship's officers had said Africa was nearby. I went down to my cabin. I prepared for bed and pulled back the curtain of the porthole, and as I looked out, the clouds broke. The mist disintegrated. There in the moonlight, for the first time in my life, I beheld the west coast of Africa. I wept, rather. I shed tears without weeping. I sat immediately on the side of the bed and wrote these words in my journal. From my cabin window, I look out on the full moon and the ghosts of my forefathers rise and fall with the undulating waves. Across these same waters, how many years ago they came. What were the intuit mutterings locked tight within the circle of their hearts? In the deep, heavy darkness of the foul-smelling hull of the ship where they could not see the sky nor hear the night noises nor feel the warm compassion of the tribe, they held their breath against the agony. How does the human spirit accommodate itself to desolation? How did they? What tools of the spirit were in their hands with which to cut a path through the wilderness of their despair? If only death had come, being ushered into life by a terrible paroxysm of pain, all the assurance of the way of the tribe would have carried the spirit home on the wings of precious ceremony and holy ritual. But this, nothing anywhere in all the myths and all the stories and all the ancient memory of the race had given hint of this torturous convulsion. There were no gods to hear. No magic spell of witch doctors to summon. Even one's companion in chains muttered his quivering misery in a tongue unknown and a sound unfamiliar. Oh, my fathers, what was it like to be stripped of all supports of life save the beating of the heart and the ebb and flow of the fetid air in the lungs? In a strange moment when you suddenly caught your breath, did some imitation from the future give to your spirit a wink of promise? In the darkness, did you hear the silent feet of your children beating a melody of freedom to words which you would never know in a land in which your bones would be warmed again in the depths of the cold earth in which you would sleep, unknown, unrealized, and alone? Martin Luther King remarked that he felt the most powerful symbol there is is that of the Holy Cross, for it represented both one the great possibility of man as shown in the love, forgiveness, and faith of Jesus. And at the same time, the cross represents the sordid weakness of men, that men could also do something so awful as to kill that man. I think King's understanding can be applied to many things. This is my experience when I look at the American flag. I admire it as a symbol of liberty and human possibility, but I also know it represents stories of oppression and brutality against Native Americans, blacks, women, and so on. This is not to dismiss behavior, but at some level the aspect of the freedom and greatness the symbols show would not quite be what they are without the dark side. We may also feel this way when we look at someone we love, 
a parent, for example, who may have also abused us. We may also feel this way when we look in the mirror. The idea is not to bring these sides together in some sort of Jungian misunderstanding of combining the opposites to make a whole. The idea is to see clearly, without illusion, and to stay steadfast in those virtues which inspire our soul, that cannot see but can feel our forefathers watching from past places and our children waving to us from the not all that too far beyond.